This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey gang, this podcast is brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. As you all know, this is a business that I started to give back more to conservation. We roast premium coffee that ships out within just hours of roasting, guaranteeing that you'll get the freshest coffee available. The kicker, we donate 10% of our proceeds back to conservation. You choose where the donation goes when you check out. You can check us out at SkullBrewCoffee.com. So let's do something great together and help protect wild places one cup at a time. Visit SkullBrewCoffee.com and pledge your support of conservation today. Hello and welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 111. Today, John and I are talking Iowa public land scouting, shed hunting, 2018 season analysis, and a little bit about real life. So stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to all you out there. Hope you are doing well. Hope everyone's shed rally this past weekend was a uh, was a good rally. My my rally wasn't so uh, wasn't so great. I still was kind of recovering from some some illness or some cold or sick or whatever you want to call it from my from my most recent travels. So I was indoors, which was kind of a bummer because it was actually a really nice day. I think it was like fifty degrees here in Pennsylvania, so it was a, a nice change from the teens that we were that we were having, but. You know, I should be able to get out here, um, not this coming weekend, because I have some priorities that are kind of preempting my shed hunting. But the following weekend after that, I believe I'll be uh, uh, be actually headed back to the uh, to to the the one property, my dad's property that I hunted last year, just for a couple of days. I did find some new bedding areas. I think that I mentioned um, 
during the during the course of the year on that property and the plan is to kind of go hit those pretty hard because i did do one shed hunt of that property last year and it was probably a little early there was a little bit of snow on the ground so it was you know it wasn't you know great conditions for shed hunting so this year i'm hoping that it is a uh, is a little bit better we do have some snow on the ground here still so you know i'm not sure how successful my shed rally would have been next or yesterday or this this past weekend rather um, if i did manage to get out so the hope is that it all melts off by the time that i head back there and in two weeks, uh, kind of give those, uh, those, that new bedding area, at least a good kind of sachet through. And, uh, you know, this past year I did learn a fair amount, uh, from hunting that property for a handful of days. And so I think I have a good idea of where I might be able to find some shed. So that's going to be the plan for, uh, for that trip. I also have a little bit of, you know, food plot prep to start to kind of get started. You know, it's, um, that, that heavy work season or that heavy deer work season is just around the corner. And so I probably need to get, get back and get a little, uh, get a little fertilizer, probably a little lime on the food plot. Um, and then really start to think about what I'm going to do. I'm probably going to do, uh, just an early, um, you know, kind of a frost seeding. I might even be a little late to the game for the frost seeding. I just haven't had a chance to get back. Um, but it shouldn't be too awful late. So I'm probably going to do a little frost seeding with some clover. Um, so that way we have some, something for, uh, for spring green up. And I think this year I'm actually going to do, and we'll probably cover this in a, in a later podcast more in more detail, but I think I'm actually going to do beans this year in, um, in that plot. I know, you know, a lot of you probably listened to the, the past podcast with Don Higgins. If you hadn't yet, I would definitely check that out. I want to say it's episode 97, but we talked a fair amount about beans. And if you don't know, Don owns, you know, real, uh, real world wildlife products. They have a bunch of different types of, uh, forage that you can use, you know, whether it's soybeans, whether it's clover, you know, whether it's, you know, turnips, whatever the case might be, they got a ton of products. So I'm actually going to be using some of their stuff this year uh, in, in the sense of beans. And so I think I'm going to do that. And then of course I have to wait a little while so I can put those in the ground because your soil temp has to be, I think right around like 60 degrees. So it probably won't be till May that I actually get to put those in the ground. Um, but I'm also probably going to do a little overseed, uh, with it as well. Uh, I know Don has had success, uh, success with that, with one of his products of, uh, once the beans kind of start to, to, to yellow or their leaves start to yellow, they have another product you can use, um, as an overseed that provides, you know, more of that, you know, uh, I guess green kind of leafy food source whenever the beans start to turn yellow and, and become a little less desirable. So that's the plan for the food plot. But first things first, I got to get the, uh, I got to get the, uh, some fertilizer and some lime in the ground to, to make sure that my, my soils soil is in tip top shape to, uh, to have a good food plot this year. And then hopefully we'll, we'll also find some sheds while we're there. But today what, you know, the plan is, um, really is for, for John and I to kind of chat a little bit about our 2018 season, I mean, it's not often John and I get to record in person. So I was, you know, anyone who follows uh, my Instagram account or the Truth From the Stand Instagram account had seen that, you know, or I guess had seen it in a limited capacity because there's not a lot of cell service or internet service out where, where John lives. But I was in Iowa with John for like four or five days and got a chance to do some scouting and some shed hunting. We shed hunted, uh, you know, uh, one of his leases and one or two properties he has shed hunting permission on. But we did basically spend two full days um, in a big piece of public land around his house because that's where I'm going to be headed um, this fall is that public land piece. And so we spent a good bit of time in there doing some scouting, some shed hunting. John did find a match set. Um, you know, We'll talk about that a little bit, but it was very early on in the first day. So kind of got our hopes up that we were going to have a good shed day, um, but it was... Uh, but it was not. That first day was pretty good, just a little sunny, um, and then the snow kind of came in. The second day was uh, pretty rough shed hunting. But we did do some scouting. I found some great spots. I think are going to be really kind of uh, killer for me to set up in next year. Um, you know, so that was kind of the first step. Was that, and then you know, of course, the rest of the 
the rest of the year I'll just be kind of uh, relegated to doing map inventory and doing map duty to try to make sure I have a plan when I get out there in the uh, in the fall. Not 100% sure what the dates are going to be yet. Um, definitely going to be the end of October, early uh, November kind of time frame. But I haven't set any hard and fast dates yet. And we'll be uh, planning to do that here in the not-so-distant future. But before we jump into the chat with John... Uh, let's go ahead and take care of one of these pieces of uh, the uh, the business end of this jam real quick. So from our friends at Exodus Outdoor Gear, if you dig on Exodus Trail Cameras, you like scouting or you like Onyx Maps, you're going to want to pay particularly close attention to this next piece of information. Now through the end of March, you will get a free Onyx Premium membership with every Exodus trail camera purchase from exodusoutdoorgear.com. This, of course, is while supplies last. And as you can imagine, with uh, the pairing of an Onyx map and an Exodus trail camera, these are kind of going pretty quickly. So you're going to want to kind of hop on it uh, as soon as you possibly can. You can also order the new render cell camera. If you guys haven't heard me talk about that, the cell camera is coming out. Uh, you are able to pre order it off of Exodus Outdoor, Outdoor Gear. Dot com and when you add that uh, rendered trail camera or if you add you know want to add another trek to your arsenal you'll include and lock in that thirty dollar uh, free value gift from Onyx so visit exodusoutdoorgear.com add the Onyx membership card in any camera and you'll receive your automatic savings towards that Onyx membership I don't think there's a better one two punch for spring scouting or scouting just in general I use these tools pretty much all year round. So take advantage of this offer today by visiting exodusoutdoorgear.com. And now let's go ahead and get on with the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And today it is the Utah and Clint Show. I'm actually in Iowa. We're doing one of our very rare face-to-face yeah. recording sessions. We've actually been doing a lot more of these lately between yeah. like Harrisburg. Yeah, the trade shows. Yeah. Which is, it's going to be kind of a bummer with the uh, the trade so she, uh, I can't even talk now. Yeah. I haven't even been drinking yet. Actually, I well, just a, a little. little bit. Yeah, just yeah. a little bit. Just, um, just wine. Just wine. Yeah, I'm being bougie tonight. I've got my, my glass of red <laughs> wine, you know, hanging out doing a podcast in the sunroom. Yes. <laughs> but no, it'll be kind of a bummer to see the trade season kind of come to a close because yeah. I think I've seen you more this year and spent more time with you this year than I, I have in like the past three two years combined previously yeah yeah, yeah Which, just in the last two and a half months yeah exactly yeah. we're gonna have withdrawals I'm, I'm, i might have to move in though man considering what the weather is looking like in pa for me to fly out tomorrow <laughs> it's like five to eight inches uh, i might stick be around in iowa it'll spike up to 40 and then go back to like negative five right if you don't like good. the weather just change for, just wait for a minute yeah I, well i saw something on facebook today they were talking about my old home state kentucky and it said welcome to kentucky um, we're, we will be having uh, winter at 6 a.m. And then it's spring at 11, yeah. summer at two and then fall at 5 p.m. Yeah. That sounds about, that sounds about right. There's no fall or spring or summer happening right now though. No. Here. No. Man, it no. was a. Uh, just straight up winter. Yeah. It was a, it was, I think a balmy 11 with a wind chill yeah. of like minus six this morning when I yeah, woke up. Yeah, it was up. nasty. Yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah, it was cold. But we're coming to you from Iowa. I made my trip down here because as anyone out there listening that has been listening for a while knows, I should draw for Iowa this year. So the plan was to come here and do a little scouting, um, do a little shed hunting. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the Iowa Deer Classic was this weekend. But before we jump into all that, there, of course, was a lot of news the past, you know, you know, couple weeks you know when this this comes out it'll be probably two two-ish weeks since everything kind of happened or whatever that uh that todd from white knuckle had his his atv accident which was a lot of folks talking about that and reminiscing while everyone was at the iowa deer classic because it was obviously pretty fresh and for those of you out there listening that maybe aren't as aware john kind of started in his 
I won't say Whitetail Ventures, but like getting into the industry and really getting involved in filming and stuff like that was through White Knuckle and mm-hmm. and working with Todd. And you guys, you know, were business partners and friends for a long time. So yep. I just think it's probably appropriate to just kind of take a minute to you know talk about a dude that a lot of people knew and for uh, sure it was a you know terrible accent. So I want to give you the floor just to kind of yeah. Well, um, so back you know previous career, I've talked about it a little bit being a cop and stuff. Um, I had actually gotten a, an injury that I didn't know it was going to be like a really bad injury, but, um, I messed up my L5 S1 disc really, really bad. Some sciatic nerve damage and whatnot. So I ended up being off work for like two months, you know, um, and one of my buddies back home, um, a fellow by the name of Jim Wilson, uh, he worked at the jail in, in the County, you know, and that's how we met. But he calls you one day and he says, we're going to the Ohio Deer and Turkey Expo in Columbus, Ohio. And I said, Jim, man, I'm laid up. I can't do it. And he's like, well, you're doing it. I'm driving you up there. You got to get out of the house. Because I literally had been like couch ridden and bedridden for like right. two months. And if anybody knows you, that's like a bad deal for you. Oh, you don't you, you don't sit still no, long. I was yeah. losing my mind. So um, he actually drove uh, him, his wife, and myself and Kelly um, he came and picked this up and, and we drove uh, up to Columbus, Ohio and he had been at the ATA show and had brought me a DVD, a white knuckle DVD. It was a DVD called the grind. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember watching that DVD going, man, like, look at this big buck footage. This is, this is incredible. And then, you know, thinking to myself, man, this, this Todd pregnancy guy, like he never shoots anything. Like he's letting these four <laughs> and five year olds walk that I'd been, you know, I would have shot. Right. So, I thought, man, this guy's got some crazy self-control. Like, this guy's a nut, you know? Little did I know how much of a nut he truly ended up turning out to be, and I say that in a good way. But um, we go to the Ohio show. We're walking around, and uh, I come across Wicked Tree Gear. And at the time, he had just started Wicked Tree Gear and just had some hand saws and was kind of starting a prototype on the Wicked Tough pole saw, the the 6 and and, and just the 15 – or I'm sorry, the 6 and the 12-footer at the time. I ended up meeting him, buying a couple of hand saws. Um, I was actually going to use them for my landscape company that mm-hmm. I had going on the side. Him and I kind of hit it off. We started uh, texting back and forth, emailing back and forth. Then we started calling each other, and and he's like, "Hey, he's like, do you ever film any of your hunts?" And I said, "You know, man, that's like that's like the dumbest thing in the world." You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, "I just hunt, man." I was like, "You know, that's that's for you guys." And and he kind of talked me into it. So I went and bought a camcorder. At this point, I'd never owned a camcorder, never owned a picture camera or anything. And uh, this was in 2013. Um, so I ended up buying a, buying a camcorder and, uh, and filmed my first hunt. And I ended up shooting, uh, shooting a 156 in Kentucky on the ground uh, with a bow. And it was, it was all on video. And it ended up being on the, um, uh, I believe that was No Rest for the Wicked. Mm-hmm. DVD that ended up coming out in 2014, um, and even got a little uh, little cover oh, DVD nice. cover nice. shot, a little love as well. But um, nonetheless, uh, I ended up becoming a dealer for Wicked Tree Gear, then a sales manager, then the national sales manager, um, and then I ended up purchasing part of Wicked Tree Gear from Todd. And through all of this, I was hunting on White Knuckle. Then I kind of became the, like the the VP of White Knuckle, I was the right. team manager. I dealt with all the sponsors, and then uh, I would work with the editor, Kyle Reindeer, super talented editor, uh, who's been with White Knuckle a long time. 
uh, genuinely great guy. And I was working with him and we were, him and I were kind of laying out the shows and stuff like that. And, and I think, I think Todd was kind of getting that to that point where like, maybe he was kind of burnt out on it a little bit. So he was kind of delegating, right. you know, that work to Kyle and I, and, um, we ended up selling wicked. And then that's essentially what brought me to Iowa said, you know what, we're doing wicked full time, um, for the new people, mm-hmm. you know, that we sold it to. So, uh, I, and that's when I ended up moving to, to Iowa in the beginning of 2016. And during that time, uh, I was kind of creatively, I was wanting to go a different direction. You know, I had just had a, a full year, uh, with the Sitka ambassador team and, uh, was getting into photography and short films a lot more. And white knuckle was very much, um, you know, web show, like right. traditional web show, yep. um, traditional, I say in, in format, in style, it was you know, chasing mature bucks and, you know, that kind of stuff. But, um, so anyways, I, I wanted to kind of go a different way and that's when I, I departed, um, white knuckle and I went to started arrow wild. And I think, I think anytime, uh, somebody leaves a situation, um, there's an opportunity for there to be bad blood. Um, and you know, some people know this story that, you know, Todd and I had a little bit of a falling out, Mm -hmm. um, when we both didn't, we both weren't owners of Wicked, and then now we weren't, um, we weren't as vested, mm-hmm. I think, right. to each other. Right. Um, and then also with me wanting to step away uh, from White Knuckle and do my own thing, and you know, I, there were some there were some companies I wanted to work with differently, and and we had a little bit of a difference of opinion um, about certain companies or different styles and and things like that, and so. I had to figure it out, you know what I mean? Yep. So I branched yep. away and, and like I said, there was a little bit of bad blood, uh, between us for a little while and, and we didn't speak. Um, uh, but it was still, you know, if the, if a dude's your best friend for three years and he's your business partner, yeah, you guys might not get along, but you still love each other. Right. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you equate it to a family member that you, that you love to hate. Yes. You yeah, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's like yeah. I have. My crazy Uncle Fred, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. it's like my brother-in-law. Yep. It's like, I love my brother-in-law to death, but there's some days I want to strangle him. Right. You know what I mean? It's just, but it's like, if he if he called me tomorrow and uh-huh. said, hey, I need X, Y, and Z, it's like, whatever he needed. For sure. You know? And then yeah. when, once we were done, I would leave and be like, dude, I still hate you. Like- yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but at the at the ATA show this year, uh, I was I was at a concession stand um, getting, a, getting a bottle of water, and... Uh, I hear a guy next to me walk up and say, large cook. And that's all it took was two words. I knew exactly who it was. And right. I looked over and, um, and, and it was Todd. And I said, Hey, you know, how are you? And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm good. You know, I think kind of caught him off guard. You know, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, fast forward to the PA show. Uh, him and I were both there and I just, you know, it was one of those situations where I'm like, you know, I think he knows that I still love him to death and right. and whatnot. Um, but I just said, man, I just want to clear the air. So I walked up to him. I said, Hey, we, we just need to bury the hatchet and, um, you know, we need to, whatever this is, it, it, it's done. I'm, I'm holstering my guns, you know? Right. Um, and seeing how happy he was starting a family yep. was huge. Um, you know, and that was always one of the sources of arguments with Todd and I, is I was always like, man, there is things in life bigger than you. Right. You right, know, right. and um, from my side of the fence, 
it was always very easy to see that because I've got have three kids, you right, know? Right. And um, so it, it was amazing seeing that transformation. Uh, him and I never talked about it. Uh, I could just see it like with any new parent, you know what I mean? You see it in their body language, you see it in their tone and their actions and stuff like that. And um, it almost has that sense of like, it's not all about me. I got to, I'm providing for somebody else. And right. Then, yep. um, and that's one of the things at the, at the classic, like, you know, there was a lot of folks remembering and yeah. trading stories, cutting up, you know, laughing yep. and stuff like that. And just almost every conversation that that we were, you know, I'm kind of an outsider looking in because I met Todd one time sure, at, sure. at ATA, and mm-hmm. that was literally the only time I've ever ever met him. Yep. Um, so it's not like I have a huge body of work to draw yep. upon as far as like knowing knowing him, but just listening to the people who have known him for a long time kind of talk about him. That's like every single person mentioned that it was just like yep. how excited he was to be a dad and be a parent, yep. you know, and that it you know changed his perspective on it things. Did. And so yeah, yeah, I think it it did and. Um, you know, when I came back from PA, um, you know, it was, it was one of the first things I told, I told my wife, I said, man, I said, you know, Todd and I buried the hatchet. It's just such, such an amazing thing. And she's like, wow, you know, Hey, former cop, I can hold a grudge. Like, <laughs> like no one's uh, business. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like back to back champion, you know, right. r- running, you know, 20 years straight. But, um, so she, it even shocked her that. Um, and I just said, look, you know, I said, it's not like it was something we'd both been carrying around with us. I just didn't want to even think about it anymore. Right. You know, and it sucks because, you know, we live 25 miles apart I mean, we were best friends. I moved here and then we don't speak anymore. Right. You know, we lived eight miles or eight hours away and we spoke every day, Right. you know, 10 times a day. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Todd, Todd has uh, taught me a ton about whitetail hunting, a ton. Um, and, you know, taught me a lot about business. And at the end of the day, he introduced me to, you know, the outdoor industry and, and whatnot, and definitely gave me my first opportunity, like I said, to be a dealer, right? you know, uh, to kind of get my foot in the door, uh, and involved in the industry. And then, you know, gave me an opportunity to manage the team, which was something I asked him to do, you know, I, Hey, I I want this, I want more responsibility, you know, I want to grow this and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, and, and a lot of people don't know this. At one time, he said, man, I'm thinking about just calling it quits on White Knuckle. And I said, well, if you're just going to dump it, right? let Kyle and I take it over. And he's like, fine, it's yours. Right. That's actually how that happened. It wasn't like a big grandiose promotion. You know? right. <laughs> like, John, you're so awesome. Take this over. It was just like, fine. You know, and I, right. and I get it. He'd been doing it a long time. DVD sales were down. Right. Um, so that's kind of how, how all that came about. But um, like I said... We're talking like one of the craziest whitetail hunters, you yeah. know, that I'd ever met in my life. And, um, the guy, the guy was a nut, you know yeah. what I mean? When it came yeah. to, uh, or, or the word fanatic, you know, yeah. comes to mind, just, just an absolute nut when it came to chasing, chasing whitetails. I mean, he would yeah. do whatever it took and, and he would tell me all the time, he's like, yeah, you don't want to blow him out. And I'm like, but I know where he's at. He's like, well, then if you know where he's at, then why isn't he dead? Right. He's like, what are, you, what are you waiting for? Somebody else to go kill him? Right. He's like, dude, right. go kill him. Right. You know? It's funny just listening to, you know, I know, um, I guess Andre DeQuisto uh-huh. made a post yeah. about it or whatever. And it's funny to kind of hear you talk about him and, and getting to know Very similar. Cody and Andre a little bit. Sure. That, that I've gotten an opportunity to spend a little bit of time with them, you know, with you. Yeah. And it's being a white tail nut and kind of how he approached things. Like, I didn't have yeah. as much probably awareness of how good of a whitetail hunter he was yep. unfortunately until 
it was too late, too late right, you know, type right. of thing. Because mm-hmm. I see now like his through line of like that kind of dequisto kind of approach sure, to, to hunting. Sure. I mean, that and, was that tutelage, you know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. Came you were sharing that story with those. me where it's like, you know, he was working with Andre way back in the day of Lone Wolf, helping yeah. him out. And that was, you know, he was basically getting a mentorship, yeah. so to speak, by going in and working trade shows with him. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's how fanatic he was about whitetail hunting. He was willing to go, uh, drive himself to trade shows and go work for free if he had to. Um, just to absorb that possible five minutes of whitetail talk that might happen at the trade show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's the kind of guy he was. And, um, you know, the self-drive, that was always something that, you know, Todd and I were very, very, very similar in, you mm-hmm. know, if it take if you have to work more hours and you just got to work more hours. Right. I think I'm a little more patient, you know, than right. he was, um, at times, but, um, but man, I tell you, I mean, you know, from the from waking up at four or five in the morning and getting text messages about the accident um, until, you know, getting a text, you yeah. know, in the middle of the night that, you know, they had passed. Like um, it was rough. It was a, it was a rough thing. But I, I will be forever grateful that him and I were able to bury the hatchet. And because I can't I can't imagine carrying that around yeah. knowing that, you know, he died and, and him and I were too big a jerks to uh to apologize to, to each other yeah. and yeah. yeah work it out both too proud to yeah so yep. that i was like again you know i don't know todd very well other than one interaction <laughs> that i had with him him personally i was super stoked whenever you had mentioned to me that you guys had a chance to connect yep. at, at harrisburg and in and, and chat and so you know with that you know just want to give our condolences to his family yes for sure um, you know yeah. it's yeah a terrible to, thing to katie and, and little baby baker i mean um you know it's a uh, it's a bad deal coming from a father. You're a father. Yeah. Um, I can't even imagine. Um, I can't even imagine what that what they're dealing with right now. You yeah. Know, it's, yeah, it's rough for sure. But you know, if I do know anything a little bit about him that I've learned from you over the past like you know a few weeks, you'd probably want us to stop talking about about and, ta- that and, and start, talk about whitetails. Start talking about yeah. whitetails. Yeah. How we're gonna kill whitetails? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna jump into some to some whitetail talk here. So, as we mentioned on the upfront here. Um, we uh we're we're here in Iowa. I'm here doing a little shed hunting. The shed hunting was a little slow, man. It you know, was. the, the it weather was. was not uh was not cooperating. My my hope was uh to come down and I, I literally was making plans with my wife. I was like, Hey, I'm gonna go to Iowa, I'm gonna find a pile of sheds. Yeah. I was like, and I'm gonna have to like UPS them back. It's yeah. like I'm gonna have too many to bring on the plane yeah. and I'm leaving with zero sheds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um I don't know, we might we might have like a novelty a uh, consolation shed in the pile I might right. shove in your <laughs> luggage before you depart. The um, one, the one, the the baby booner. It was like a year old that had like a full rack already. Yeah. The thing was crazy, man. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. The, uh, but we did find one match set. Yes. You know, so yep. that was, yep. that was the one set. And we put a lot of miles on too, man. Like we, we didn't, did. we didn't half step it on no, that stuff either. No. Well, you it's, know. you know, my secret to shed hunting is always cloudy days go right after it rains. It knocks down the leaves um, the white tines glow. It seems like they got, they're a little wet, uh, at times, but if they are, if there are, if there is some tall grass or some leaves, then it gives them a chance to kind of, you know, the tines kind of stand up a little bit or the main beam curls will kind of be up above, but, um, it, you know, you get rid of the shadows and the sun brightness yeah. and whatnot. And we had like a lot of sun, blue jay skies, yeah. Yeah. uh, full sun, wind, um, and then this morning, an extra like inch and a half of snow. Exactly. It it was not ideal at any part of it. No, right. No. 
But I had a lot of, like, at first when we started out, I was, I was like, stoked because we were in the timber. Well, we hiked in. Yep. Because mostly so, the horse trail, right? We hiked in the horse trail, right? Yep. And then you know, for everyone out there listening, you know, John been kind of taking me around on some pieces of public that he has some familiarity with that I was dropping pins on from Pennsylvania, saying, "Hey, I'd like to check out these spots." You know, much to my good fortune, you know, John's kind of hunted, or at least in areas that he hadn't hunted, he had scouted before, so he kind of point me in the direction. We did a lot of kind of walking while we were shed hunting, just kind of checking out spots, and we get to the first spot, which you've had some good encounters in. Mm-hmm. And you were like, you know, I usually find some sheds here. And we were in the timber. Once we got to that general area, like we weren't there like five minutes. And you're like, Clint, shed. And I turn around, I'm like, where? And you're like, see that, see that like curvature over there? I'm like, oh yeah, I see it. And you walk up close to it. And it was like, you know, eight feet away from it was its match set. Uh-huh. We were like, score. Yeah. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is going to be amazing. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, we're going to find sheds all day. Yeah. That was it. That was it. That was a highlight. <laughs> Two days. Yep. That was it. Yeah. But. The uh, but that piece over there looked really good. I mean, so we did a lot of scouting over in that section. That's uh-huh. that's a cool setup, man. With like the ag field that's kind of right there. I, that for me is like a, a game changer for me in trying to figure out how I'm going to hunt in the fall because yeah. it's not like typical. And it'll it'll be beans. Yeah, that'll be beans this year. So kind of keep that in mind. Um, yeah, even, even the terrain is different. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a lot of like yeah. bluffs, ridges with uh-huh. fingers as opposed to like big points with like big saddles i know you and i were talking about that a little Mm -hmm. bit it's just like i have to think differently like whenever i'm looking at pieces like when i'm looking at maps and stuff like that it just is not it's just enough different where i was a little off like the entire time as far as like where what i want to look at well and and my my area of iowa is very different than the rest of iowa yeah for sure Um, i could totally tell that was we were driving to driving to des moines yes des moines (laughs) des uh what was it des des moines French. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, um, it, it is very different. It's, um, it's very similar to like my Northern Kentucky terrain that I came from, but there's ag here. Right. Whereas before ag was tobacco. Right. You know? So, yeah. uh, it was kind of obsolete, but, um, it, it's, it's similar, but it's just different enough that, um, it's still kicking my butt every season. Yeah, you know, I, I'm every day. I'm I'm one day away from selling my bow because hunting's too hard. Right, you know, <laughs> I hear that. It's the biggest change for me is just having probably similar to what you're just kind of saying. It's like a lot of the public that I hunt, whether mm-hmm. it's in Pennsylvania or Ohio, it's there's zero like ag around me necessarily. Sure. Now, now there's some in Ohio, but like the places that I'm hunting in Ohio, there's not really mm-hmm. ag in those particular areas. And so I really kind of look more for like that really thick, nasty cover. Yeah. And get away from like the food and stuff like that. But here it's like food is everywhere. It's you know so I mean? important. Food food is um I mean you're gonna have those like freaking natures like we talked about, like the, yeah. the Cody DeQuisto and stuff like that, that they can just seem to find bucks no matter where they're at. Yep. And and I know there's other people in Iowa that are very talented about finding bucks no matter where they are. Um for ninety five percent of the rest of Iowa, right. food is very important. You know, yeah. whether it be ag, you know, corn beans, or food plotting and, and things like that. Yeah. And you know, you hunt those transition zones, those staging areas, those draws, those funnels, those pinch points, and things uh, between bedding and food, and you know that kind of stuff. But um, and there's a huge science to it. But um, you know, at the end of the day, like I do think it makes you a better hunter. 
mm-hmm. um, when you have to get off the field edge. Yeah, for sure. And like I've been so because I grew up hunting farms, right? Yep. You know, or hunting those ag Pennsylvania ag land. Right? Sure. And so it wasn't really until I was probably in like thirty, you mm-hmm. know, and when I really kind of was like, all right, bow hunting, focused on bow hunting, sure. to where I started getting off of field edges and trying to move back in toward cover. And I've, you know, it's no coincidence I've started having better encounters as mm-hmm. I've gotten more and more mm-hmm. comfortable and confident yep. in hunting those type of areas. So it's hard for me to change my mindset now. All of a sudden, to say, all right, I'm hunting an area where. Like, look, hunting food in Iowa is not a fool's move. You know what I mean? It's like a PA hunting food is a bad move because there's so much pressure Uh that you're going to get dark deered by any decent buck that is worth its salt in the area. Sure. I would say that probably with like 95% certain. You have this, the occasional like nice deer that'll step out early. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it's at least on the properties I've hunted, it's like I've never had a nice deer step out into a food plot during daylight, whether it was an egg ag field or whether it was a food plot you know that yep. i put in yep. um so you know for me to come here and say all right i'm going to now hunt food is just i'm thinking like there's two parts of it there's one part of it going man am i going to spend a lot of time just getting dark deered you know and then there's the other part going you know uh, of like my personal pride going right. man i've trained i've worked so hard to get off the field edge that now i'm, I'm more comfortable hunting in cover yeah. But am I going to screw myself on my trip to Iowa if I don't kind of swallow the pride a little yeah, bit? Do do a little of both, you know, while and, you're out here. I know uh, the first year I was here, um, I was trying to hunt it like I would Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And everybody said, well, aren't you hunting, in, you know, some field edges and stuff? And I thought, well, I mean, a little bit. Uh, but it was so hard for me to want to sit on a field edge. So I was doing more stuff in the timber and the timber. And still to this day, the largest encounter – um, that I've had with a bow in hand and come to full draw on, um, was inside the timber, a mm-hmm. hundred yards inside the timber. Yeah. And this buck was actually walking parallel and scent checking the entire ag field. Every trail a doe was going to use to get into yep. that field. He was yep. cutting it and yep. he was just running parallel, a uh, hundred yards inside the timber, had no intentions of ever coming up mm-hmm. to the field unless, you know, a hot doe or something like that. Right. But, um, Midday cruising, two p.m. Yeah, on November uh, classic November twelfth, yep. and um, it was pretty pretty awesome. But uh, and a Sunday stroll, man, old mature buck, seventy class mid. He's actually end up being one seventy three, and this buck is just dude. It took him twenty minutes to walk ten yards. <laughs> he was not moving for no, anybody, and not on high alert. He just, right. I ain't in a hurry. Just going to cruise like, along here, yeah. check some tail. I don't have a job to go to. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, screw right. it. And, he just, and, you know, you start to see that um, that mentality of some of those big bucks, man. Like, right. when they're just out cruising, man, don't get rammy. Be patient. Let let the let the story unfold. And, and I got my first lesson on, um, you know, re, trying to react, trying to get him to do something. Looking right. back on it. I shouldn't have done a daggone thing. I should right. have done nothing and let him do something right. and then react to him. I was trying to change what he was going to do. And a buck that's just that lax and Sunday stroll, you're going to mess it up nine times out of ten. Right. You know? Just let him be what he's going to be. Yeah. 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 I think that that's the thing. Like when I think about sitting field, sitting near ag or field edges or whatever is that, I have to just remind myself. It's like I'm not going to sit right, probably on the field edge. I'm yeah, probably going to yeah, sit yeah. back in the cover, 30, yeah. 40 yards, to where, yeah. you know, I'm going to catch them as they're staging to come in or whatever the case might be. But 
we did find a couple of decent spots that weren't like field dependent mm-hmm. necessarily. We mm-hmm. found that one point on that second piece we went to yesterday where we actually found that buck bed, yep, which yep. was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think we found two buck beds yesterday. Yep. Actually jumped the one which we think was the buck that was using that bed, but it was a solo deer that, yep. that we busted out of there. And some good rubs right there. And, yeah, and a bunch of good rubs right there. Found some really good hammer rubs, some good like you know year over year you know signpost yeah. kind of rubs, which was good. Mm-hmm. And then the piece we scouted today, like well, the second piece we scouted today, yep. that was just that was some. Like I'm, I'm inclined to throw a couple sets at it because that, like, to me, sure. spoke to me. You know what I mean? Oh, I was yeah. like, I was like, man, this is that was gnarly stuff. Man. Yeah, I was like, this is what I'm used to trying to get into. If in you don't Ohio. see a mature buck, you might see Sasquatch. You might see Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> You're very welcome, man. There was more multiflora rose in that joint than I was. I was done. And everything in Iowa's got a thorn on it or a burr. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's 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 crazy. Yeah, but that place was gnarly thick. There were two ridges there mm-hmm. that were just gnarly thick that could be pretty good. So, yep, agreed. But I'm pretty stoked, man. I feel like I, I feel like we did a fair bit of homework on this on this trip. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like you you scouted you you dropped some pins. You know, I took you to a couple of spots that I like, and then we went and checked out at least seven or eight of your pins as well. Yep. And then of course, we didn't just. We weren't helicoptered into the spot, so we had to walk through stuff to get yep. there. And I think you were able to drop even a couple more pins on the way. The yeah. way. So, yeah. um, the fact that you're, you know, coming coming here, you've got boots on the ground, you've seen stuff. Um, I mean, it's not like you're going to be here for two months. You're going to be here for two weeks. Just yeah. what we saw today, you're going to be hard pressed just to hunt all, all of those spots. Yeah, yep. yeah, exactly, hundred percent. My plan is, I think. As a, I know we talked about a little bit today while we were in the truck. It's like I think I'd probably go to the piece that we went to first yesterday, yep. right? Because that is that does have some food. I know you've had some good oh, encounters yeah. over in that yep. general area. I know that you have a buddy who's hunted that the second half of that where it got really thick as we got toward the end of that horse yep. trail or whatever yep. down there. Yep. That he saw a really good buck in there or yep. has seen some good deer in there. Yep. Um, so I'm probably going to kind of try that out first. And that'll be like where I start. And then from there, I'll just kind of bounce and, and yeah. figure it out. I'm kind of determined, though, to kind of use the DeQuisto approach this year a little bit. Well, here's the thing. So in their style, you know, we've talked about it. Mm-hmm. You, um, If you only have 30 acres, you, it's kind of hard to do that. Yeah. Because you bump a deer out of there, then your season might be over. You're you're going to have access to five, six, seven thousand acres of public ground down here. I mean, I've got probably 25 pins dropped. And you're only you here know? for two weeks. Every day, you better be swinging for the fences every day yep hot sign yeah that's my that's my plan is just to go hit pieces find hot signs set up on it and that'll be where i hunt like the next day and a half pretty much as long as the the wind's right how bad would that suck going back to pa thinking man i didn't i didn't grind that's just it sat in the same spot for two weeks straight that's just it it's like i'm either going to go back empty-handed and tired yeah or i'm going to go back tired with bone yeah and and i talked to a lot of people around here and people were like ah it's a long season. It's a long, yeah. A lot of people that live here and get to hunt, you know, on and off for three months, three and a half months or whatever, sure. They got some private land. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you can kind of pick your and time. choose. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But when you're destination hunting, um, there's a start date and end date. Got to yeah. get it. Yeah. You got to roll, man. Yeah, exactly. Every day's go day. It's uh, It was just interesting. I know when we were at the Classic, we were chatting with andre for a couple of minutes and it was just we walked away and i was like man i learned more about deer hunting than that five minutes yeah. <laughs> standing at the booth than oh, yeah. i have in like the past year yeah. or whatever yeah but it's just they're so nonchalant 
particularly him, he's like, you know, he was telling us that story about that big deer that he found and he was, you know, drove by it on, a, on an ATV and it didn't move. He's like, I kind of figured out where it was. I waited for the right wind. He's like, I rolled in, knocked him out of there, set up my stand, came back the next day on a good wind, yeah. shot him in his bed. Well, <laughs> and you know, and if you, if you think, if you dissect that story and, and what that story tells us is he was able to observe the buck, yep. see how he reacted to the quad. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Read his body that, language. Read the body language. Right. Knew that that buck was not so skittish. He didn't, he didn't blow out of there. The throwing. buck thought he was bulletproof. Correct. Yeah. And he's like, ah, you know what? Stood up on alert. Oh, I'm cool. He didn't see me. So when that buck tore off out of there, he wasn't throwing mud up. He wasn't, you know what I mean? Uh, High telling it going to the next county. He knew that if he did bump him out of there, that was a buck that was going to be like, all right, it's cool. And just yep. come right back. Yeah. Because he still felt safe. So a lot of that is that. And, and, you know, I get asked that question a whole lot too. And people say, when you talk about like a buck's mentality and, and and knowing what kind of buck he is. Yeah, we're not sitting him down, you know, on the on the couch and, you know. Going through a psycho evaluation. Exactly. Yeah. Like, sometimes that's all you get is you might get one of those little things like that. And, and in that situation, that was enough for Andre to make that move and make it happen. And um, well, I think what a lot of people with, with Andre or, or Cody, for that matter, don't, don't realize or don't think about is that there's not one thing that happens during the course of a hunt that they don't ask why. Sure. You know, that's sure. their biggest thing. It's like, there's, they're not, you know, and Cody would probably would admit this cause he says it's, it's simple, right? It's like you find deer. Yeah. Go get deer. Yeah, like yeah, it, yeah. It's that, it's that easy, but he's asking the question why when things happen, when something doesn't go right, like he's analyzing it and answering those questions for himself. So yep. for him, it's like that processing happens naturally. Uh-huh. So where it is just go get deer, you know? Well, and I think also, um, the DeQuistos, uh, could also be, especially Cody, cause Cody will admit to you, I, yeah. I screw up more hunts and I'm successful. Yeah. Um, it's almost that Mickey uh, or not Mickey Mantle, the Babe Ruth approach. Right. Yeah. Dude was a home wreck King, right. but he also led, led the league in strikeouts, <laughs> yeah. you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. So, um, you know, it's a very aggressive style and, uh, and I dig it, and and you know I, I I mentioned it to you. I used to be a lot more aggressive, and I killed a lot bigger bucks. Right. You know? And now, do you me, think moving to Iowa, where there's like so many, where there's just, I won't say like you know, look, if there were a booner behind every tree, like sure. people like to think there is, sure, I would have, sure. we would have found a lot more sheds this past two days, right? Exactly. But yep. do you think that the fact that you do live in Iowa where it is a more target rich environment. Yep. Do you think you've taken a more patient approach because of that? And that yes. somewhat has hurt you. Yes. Yeah. When I, before in Kentucky, I was hunting a, a highly competitive ground mm-hmm. and I needed to get in there and kill before somebody else did. Um, so that probably forced me to be more aggressive. And right. then in Iowa, in, in the area that I live, it's a very low human population, high deer population. Um, which I love. Yes, I'm not going <laughs> to complain about it, right? I've never gotten in an argument with a deer. Right. Um, so that, that it definitely has made me a lot more relaxed <clears throat> and, and trying to get those personal goals, mm-hmm. you know, trying to go after that mature buck and, 
and I've passed, you know, and at the same time, I've passed deer in Iowa that I gladly shot in Kentucky years ago. So, right. I mean, there's an evolution, you know. Right. There's an ebb and a flow, right? It's yeah. like you've you've passed some because the target rich environment is, yeah. is 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 better, so you're willing to kind of take your chances to try to up up the ante a little bit. Yeah. Right. And I was so. telling you about the buck in in public. Uh, Chancey Walters was down running a camera for me for um, for a, for a sit. We were doing a photo shoot, and I'm like, hey, while you're here, right. you know what I mean? Right. We got a few hours tonight, and he's like, I can run. I'll run camera. Come on, let's go. So we went. And, uh, and he filmed me pass, you know, passing 140 inch, right. you know, eight pointer. Right. And, uh, um, big eight pointer. Yeah. It was, good. It was real, real pretty buck. And I mean, we had him dead to rights, 20 yards in a shooting lane. And, and he, he walked on and, and I remember Chancey was like, man, that was a pretty buck. And then I'm like, man, I wonder if I should have shot this buck. And he goes, yeah, you didn't need to shoot that buck. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, kind of, I'm like, shoo, for a second there, I thought he was getting ready to criticize me for letting this buck go. And then right. I told a couple of buddies and said, yeah, I said, I passed, you know, passed 140 tonight. And, and they said, well, you were in public. Like, there's a 10-inch handicap when you go on public <laughs> land. So, no, you really passed a 150. But, right. Um, but, yeah. no, it's cool. Yeah, there's there's no 140s next year whenever I come to Iowa next season that, that, that walk by me that are going to get a pass. Right. I'll, I'll tell you that it's That's like right. my uh we'll, we'll we'll get to the kind of like our our loose plans, our loose plans for next year. But so that's kind of what happened uh, during this trip as far as like the scouting and stuff goes. I think yep. we got I got a good plan in place as far as now I need to be I need to continue to look at some topos and stuff uh-huh. like that and kind of fine tune some things. I think the thing I'm going to have to pay attention to a lot when I get here next year is just access because I know today when we were – or the past two days when we were walking sure. in, we were kind of taking the path of not least resistance but how we could cover the most ground. Yeah, we weren't see hunting as much. today. Yeah, so. we were trying to see as much as we could see or you were trying to – we were trying to walk where I would have an opportunity to see as much as I could possibly sure. see. Yeah, so, we tried to stay up on top of ridges and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's like when I get here in the fall, I'm definitely going to have to be a little bit more mindful of what my access is going to be and stuff like that so I don't – so I don't screw myself, especially on that last ridge we looked at today, because I that could be a good one. That could be a really good one, but the whole time we're walking through there, like you pointed it out, because I hadn't even thought of you. I was on total scout mode, mm-hmm. and you, we stopped at one point, and because we were actually headed to another ridge over, yeah. And you just looked at me, you're like, "Dude, hunting scenario? How how on God's green earth are you going to get in here and yeah. not blow every deer out to the next yeah. county? You've got a bow, you've got your yeah, because you know, it's just stupid thick, yeah. thick this time of year with nothing on." Exactly. Right. So whenever you hit October, November, where there's still some leaves and stuff on the trees, and yeah, it's just going to be r- ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah. it would have been a nightmare. Yeah. So I have to rethink that one. That one's going to be a little bit of a challenge, but yeah, you know, give her give her a whirl. But so I think at this point now we can probably make the transition to the 2018 recap because we've not done that yet this year. We're yep. l- we're a little behind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're like you know in what is it March? Dang it, we've been we've been busy. Yeah, we have been busy, man. We've had all kinds of you know that we've had cool podcasts to do and stuff like that. I know. Like, yeah. Who wants to listen to John and Clint talk about their season? Yeah, exactly. Hopefully, hopefully someone out there does. Yeah, but uh, so you know. I, what was cool about coming here partially, and I want to talk about your 2018 recap a little bit, is that mm-hmm. I got to see like the properties that you hunt, like the leases that yeah, you're hunting yeah. and stuff like that as yeah. well, and where you're filming because I only ever see them in Arrow Wild sure. shows. Uh-huh. I never have never stepped foot on them, so it was kind of cool to drive like the the field edge and you kind of show me like this is where this happened, this is where I you know yep. rattled this buck in. So I yep. got to see if if anyone out there has watched. If you haven't, you should check it out. It's the What's the episode called? I forget. Uh, Bucks and Does Part 1. Bucks and Does Part 1 is John's uh, kill from this year. Mm-hmm. 
which is, yeah, I know we told the story previously or whatever, but it was an awesome, it was awesome one film and I got to see kind of where it all kind of took place, which was yeah. kind of cool. But yeah. so give us like the, the recap of your, your season in totality. Uh, totality, um, uh, started off in Kentucky velvet season. It was one of those odd years that Kentucky comes in the first Saturday of September. And it just so happened that September 1st was the first Saturday. Right. It's the earliest it's ever happened in the history of the state. Which is good for bed to food. Oh, it's super awesome. Yeah. You know, you get you can really pattern some stuff. You throw some cameras, you've got some feed, or you've got some alfalfa that they're coming to, and uh, or water water holes, like, and it's because it's hot. I mean, it was 95 degrees. But you can really, really get some uh, last light patternable activity, and I... Let's just say a really, really large buck came in, and he did not die. <laughs> right. Um, so, anyways, um, tuck my tail, come back up to, to Iowa and, and start the season there. And um, November 8th, um, a friend of mine, uh, Billy C. from Wildest, Wildest Dreams TV, he uh, had come down. He'd been down for a few days. And um, he was running a camera and jumped up into a tree stand that a good friend of mine, Tyler Flynn, uh, one of my pro staff guys on, on Arrow Wild, he, uh, he and I had hung a set on this field edge. And it's just a little skinny little finger mm-hmm. separating uh, two fields. One was a hay field and one was an alfalfa field. Fortunately, we had access to the alfalfa field. And um, uh, it was with that magical day that we all talk about. Uh, we rattled in, grunted in, snort wheezed like 13 different bucks that That's day. That's crazy. And you only saw one the day before. Yes. The yeah. day before, we had only seen one. And it was a shooter. Uh, he wanted no part of us. He didn't mm-hmm. want to come play ball with us at all. He uh, came out of the timber. Um, basically, imagine I'm on a field edge overlooking alfalfa, and I've got four, essentially four sides of tree line all around me, you know? And... Um, it's about 250, 300 yards, you know, to the far edges. And this buck, this buck comes out. We rattle at him. He starts making his way towards us, and then he just turns and goes off into the timber or someplace else. And we're like, ah, well, that was cool. At least, we, you know, we saw a shooter, you right. know, whatever. The next day, um, it wasn't even day, hardly daylight yet, and we were rattling bucks and grunting at bucks, and we had bucks sparring up and and getting all bristled up and ears pinned back at each other and – you know, I felt bad for this one little two-year-old. We almost got his butt whooped by a three-year-old. Yeah, I remember you telling me about that. And uh, I'm like, sorry, buddy. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> you know, this three-year-old's like, what, you grunting at me? You know? Right. Um, but, and we have a crazy scenario throughout the day with cutting a limb, the limb busting the rest, and we have to go to the, the bow shop and get a new rest on. And um, shout out to uh, to my buddy, uh, Jamie uh, Fuller. He's uh has a has a bow shop about 30 miles north and he was the only bow shop in the area that carried hha rest and, and they're a partner of mine but it's not like i have a bunch of rest like laying sitting on the, the shelf laying right, around yeah. so i called him and i was like dude i was like i need an hha vertus rest and he's like come on up i'm, all, I'm here you know and he kind of let me cut in line and, and threw the rest on real fast and we we're able to sight in we get back to the tree and i'm just i'm stewing i'm like today was the day you never want to leave the tree you know you want to bell to bell it uh, and about 4.30, I guess it was, we see the buck pop out, man, and we throw a grunt at him, snort wheeze at him, and he runs directly 450. When you say run, like if you watch the run, video, run. Yeah. Like, like 
it's he legit hears it and yeah. just starts running towards. Turns you. on a dime yeah. and comes right in. It wasn't until he hit about the hundred yard, hundred twenty yard mark that he slowed up, starts licking his chaps, yeah. ears pinned back, and he's like looking, 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 like where are you at, dude? Yep. You know what I mean? Like Ready to throw down. Yeah, you've got a you got a hot doe down here somewhere, and I'm coming in to steal to steal her for you know I'm gonna beat you up and take your take your woman. So he dipped into the timber. Um, he left leaking on both sides. Yep. You know. Yep. So and he uh, walked right awesome. through that lane too, where the branch that got had cut. Just <laughs> yeah, literally had just cut that shooting lane that day. Uh, so that it all worked out, and and I'm sitting there looking at this glowing luminoc in the dirt, and I'm like, that just happened. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. It's the coolest feeling. Um, it was a cool scene too, just like the snow and like it was just pic- yeah, picturesque. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know see, I mean? that was the thing. So, um, you know, we thought, what the heck? It, he's probably already dead, but he'll just be more dead. So mm-hmm. we went to the house, and I think we actually even ate dinner. And we <laughs> ate dinner, and um, I'm like, well, you know, we probably should go out there and go ahead and find that buck. And I opened up the front door, and there's an inch of snow on the ground already. And I'm like. What, where did that come from? What just happened? So then we really kind of expedited right. this deal. And if you've ever tried to track a deer uh, in snow looking for blood, fortunately there was so much blood, we had a pink line going through the snow. It had nice. sucked up into the snow, and so we ended up finding this deer. But it made for cool footage, right. you know, recovering him in the snow. And my youngest uh, son, Kyler, went with me on this recovery, so that was super awesome. Um, and... You know, I continued to hunt late season with my late yeah. season tag. Uh, some cold sits froze my butt off. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had two other target bucks. One ended up busting off his left side. The other one ended up breaking off his right side. Jeez. So that was kind of the end of my season. That was the only right. two bucks I was really after. I went out a few more days thinking maybe there's a chance of a volunteer buck coming in late season to a food plot. Right. I never saw anything else I wanted to shoot. Um ATA happened and that kind of that pulled was the pretty much it. That yeah. was it in the yeah. season. Nice. Yeah, for me this year it kicked off um September, which the eastern part of PA starts September fifteenth ish sure. or whatever. Yep. And then, you know, I won't get into a bunch of details because anyone who listens to this has heard me talk about the swamp, but I had better deer in there than I can ever remember having on any piece of property in Pennsylvania I've ever hunted. So yep. I was super stoked at the beginning of the year. Had an encounter with the one, you know, he was probably 130 something, you know, 130 and some change, which for PA is a great deer, PA public land. That's an awesome deer. Yep. Um, doing some suburban hunting this year, which was, you know, a first for me. It was a big learning experience. Hunting a swamp was a big learning experience. Tough access on that piece. So I learned some tough lessons this year. I did shed hunt it and did not find a single shed in there and did not find hardly any sign at all uh-huh. in there. So I'm not sure. I feel like it's probably just an early season spot. Sure. So sure. I'm probably going to just throw sits at it next year, early season. I'm going to probably the weather's cooler down there and that swampy stuff. And... Yeah, that and it's this year it was so wet too. That I have a feeling that it stayed wet for so long that as the temp started dropping, like they don't want to be cold and wet any more than we want to be cold and wet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling that they just kind of boogied on out of there. Because um, there's been historical sign in there, which is what kind of confused me. But those bucks all kind of left around the 27th of October, and they never came back till like, right yeah. around, I think it was, like, Christmas-ish or whatever. I think the 27th of November actually was, like, one shooter showed up for, like, a day. Saw a couple small bucks in there, but nothing too nothing too crazy. Went to Ohio this year. Um, had some good encounters with some shooters. I passed a couple deer that are maybe, in hindsight, you know, uh-huh. shouldn't have passed. It was the first day, you know, so I was like, oh, if this is the first day, you know. Right. Those, um, it's tough on the first day. It is, man, because I was literally, it was, 
right at daylight, so 7.30, 7.45, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like but Really? You, this is going to be all over with before the sun even crests the horizon? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so it was, you know, I don't really regret passing because there was a deer there that I was, you know, that was mid-140s that I was uh-huh. after. That would have been a great deer. Um, don't necessarily regret passing it, but in hindsight, you're like, man, maybe that would have been, maybe that would have been one to let an arrow go on. Um, but they had a really good hunt. The weather was less than ideal, super windy. Um, love this particular area in Ohio that I, that I, that I get to hunt. Did that for nine days with rodeo, our buddy, Chad Sylvester. Yeah. You know, he was, he was with me. That boy has the worst luck on the planet. Like he finds more people. Like he literally had a guy walk up on him. Like he filmed him and the guy's going, oh, there's boot tracks. And starts, he sees him from like a hundred yards away walking with his grandkids. He walks all the way up. He's like, well, there's boot tracks right here. And he's like, well, some fellas got a stick here on the tree. And he looks up the tree and Chad's waving at him. And the guy's like, oh, I'm sorry. He's like, <laughs> it's just, but every set he went to, like he would run into a person. Oh my God. So, um, so left Ohio tag unfilled, ended up going back over Thanksgiving, um, hunted for like a, a uh, I guess it was a day and a half there. Yeah. I hunted, um, over that. Didn't, didn't even see a single deer during that trip. Um, finished out my season in Pennsylvania for late season. Uh, saw a couple young bucks. I did kill a doe earlier in the year, you know, in, in uh, early October, um, hunted my dad's during, you know, the, the, I guess the end of October had a couple, uh, encounters with a couple nice deer, just never got a shot opportunity. Um, and that was pretty much, that was pretty much my season, man. So sure. I, you know, put one doe in the freezer and otherwise, you know, I had, <clears throat> it's, it's really funny, man. Cause it's, I'm, I had, I had a lot of really good encounters this year, probably more so than any year that I can kind of remember is, I mean, when I say encounters, I had deer that were within five yards like the one that i should have shot in ohio was at seven yards when i saw him yeah you know it's yeah. like and i had a couple like that during the course of that that trip saw shooters at my dad so i saw shooters all year and that's why like in hindsight i'm looking back going dude you're an idiot you know what i mean like you had all these encounters and did not sure. once you know release yeah. an arrow so but overall you know it was it was a good season i think the bad part of the year was is i think i still made some made some mistakes so I, that, well, let's do that now let's talk about like mm-hmm. you know what are what are some things that we think we need to work on for for next year like what what's the what are the couple things that you're trying to trying to tweak or that you want to kind of go into the next season being mindful of um two things one be more aggressive you know getting back to that style that i really used to hunt in uh almost like mentally telling yourself like Somebody else is going to kill that buck, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't. So um, getting back to being more aggressive and, and, and I mean, think about it. It makes perfect sense. Like if you get a picture of a buck, you know where that buck is or whatever the intel may be and you know where he's at, why are you waiting to kill him? Yeah. You yeah. know? Um, well, it's, I think it's part of it is, is that, you know, you read these magazines Right. Yeah. And everyone has, you know, they're an expert because they're writing in a magazine. Sure, right? sure. And they have these approaches as to how you should, as to how you should hunt. It's like, you know, anytime you read anything in any magazine, it's, you, you work from the outside in, right? Yep, you want to yep, nip the yep. edges oh, and, yeah. like early in the season. And as, as the season yep. goes on. And I've on, done that. Yeah. You want to start to shrink down. Yep. But it's like, when you think about it, it doesn't make any sense, right? It's like, no, you start no. at the edges when they're actually the most killable. Right. When that's the time you should be going to their bedroom because that's where they're going to spend most of their time right yeah. that and headed to a food source at the end of the evening or yeah. whatever yeah. and as you get further into the season their their territory starts to expand because they're starting to get into pre-rut they're starting to do some uh-huh. scraping and stuff like that and then you hit rut and then it's like all bets are off as far as like targeted deer so it's 
if you think about it, it's kind of counterintuitive. That's one thing I've definitely picked up in talking with with Cody, where he's like, "Why work outside in during that time of the season? Whenever a deer is killable, bet most killable during that portion of the year." Yep. yep. You know. Well, I mean, you have more cover on your side for yep. slipping in. Yep. Um, unless you've got fifty trail camera pictures, and when I say fifty, I mean fifty in that hour. Right. So you're running fifty trail cameras. But, right. Um. You get a picture of a buck, and you're like, oh, he's walking this line. Who's to say in five yards he didn't just hang a hard left? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, do you really know where he's at? Unless you've got a picture of him bedding down, and then 10 minutes later, um, 700 yards away, you get a picture of him jumping a fence onto the ag field. Okay. You know, that's probably pretty good information that he probably walked a semi-straight line to go from that bed to, you know, that right. outfield. How often does that happen? You know, so yeah, it doesn't happen exactly. very often. And so I want to be more aggressive this year, kind of get back to that. I used to do the outside in yeah. um, theory. When I used I've to do it that, lot. it's like I got, I got smoked. Yeah. Every and year I tried that. I did get some. Here's the thing. I can say at the end of the seasons when I did that, I was like, you know what? I had a I had a smoker encounter. Mm-hmm. A three month season, I had one smoker encounter. Right. When I was more aggressive before, in Kentucky, October fifteenth, I was tagged out. Right. Big difference between being tagged out by October fifteenth and then and one smoker, and then encounter. on January tenth, yeah. going, man, I saw a one seventy once. Right. So right, yeah, big difference. Yeah, big difference. Um, I think for me very similar to you as yep. far as like i need to hunt more aggressive this year it's like i'm noticing the more aggressive that i'm hunting the more encounters i'm having the yeah more, the better yeah. encounters yeah. i'm having trust your gut trust yeah. your intel and I'm, go i'm ending up on top of deer where it's like every deer i saw with the exception of the the one in the swamp and the one at my dad's it's like all the other deer that i had an encounter mm-hmm. with that were all within shooting well they were all within shooting distance it was just a matter of whether or not i had an opportunity to draw or sure. not. you know so yeah. I'm having really close encounters, whether they're behind a bush or something. I don't get a shot opportunity. It's and that's saying that's just bad luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think too, there's things that I can do in my setup too that can start to help me, you know, mitigate some of that. You yeah. know what I mean? Pick and, a different and, tree. Yeah. Pick a How many tree. times have you ever gotten up in a tree and you look down and you're like, man, if the deer comes from there, I'm probably not going to get a shot. I should probably completely hang this set in a different spot. And you're like, dang. Yep. But I'm already here. Yep. Laziness starts exactly. to take over. Yeah, 100%. Yep. 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 And that's the thing. It's like when you start talking to guys who, you know, get it done regularly, you know, or have really good encounters or whatever, it's like that's the one thing that I find that they have. in Well, two things I find they have in common. One is that they consistently are probably lean on the side of being more aggressive. Yep. And they hunt consistently hunt hot sign. Yep. Right? Don't get married to spots which really is uh-huh. the subtext uh-huh. of that. And then they also will make the hard decision to move in the middle of a hunt if they think it's going to give them a better opportunity. Yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? It's yep. like they're not married to any one idea, you know, which is another habit that I have to have to break. So for me, more aggressive, um, trust in my gut, you know, hunting more effectively, hunting hot sign and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The other thing is um, for this year, and this isn't necessarily in the timber hunting related, but I'm switching to a thumb release this year and mm-hmm. shooting with more back tension. So it's more of a continuing to practice with my bow and make sure that I'm, I'm rock solid with that by the yep. time hunting season comes yep. around. Um, you know, who knows I may end up hunting with my, my trigger release once hunting season comes around and maybe I just use the back tension to kind of 
help me be more accurate, you know. Sure. Um, but that'll be you know remain to be seen because it just depends on how confident I am with that by the yeah, time. Yeah. Come, time. come go time yeah come go time because right now i can say yeah for sure i'm going to use it you know because i feel good with it and like when i'm practicing uh-huh. or whatever it's a different story when i got to climb up into a tree and it's like <laughs> and, and, I, and i can't get the the shot to go off or yeah, whatever you know exactly. so so those are kind of the things i'm going to work on man so i think you know before we wrap this jammer up you know yep. what are let's just talk about some of our loose plans for next year like so what are what are the things you know you know you're looking forward to for next year you know what type of hunts are you planning to do next year as we as we sit here in march um so immediately gonna do some turkey stuff down in kentucky um in in iowa um pretty good chance be heading to nebraska uh with my buddy randy sanders from beetlejuice skull works randy's Um, rad by the way man he's such a a good laid-back dude you know just good-hearted person and um he uh, would he, never want to make him mad though, because he's he's a big dude. He's a big dude. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's a big dude. Like uh, like Green Mile, like grab a hold of you. Yes, you know, 100%. You're, you're like oh you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> um, but does put take so much pride in his in his, in his craft and does such an amazing job. And and he's like, hey, let's go to you know, let's go to Nebraska and chase birds around. We can do Miriam's and Rios there. And I'm like, heck yeah, you know, why not? Why not? Um, so. Some of my schedule has freed up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, this year you're going all in on the on the Utah. Yeah, That's yeah, what's happening? Uh, so going to go all in with Johnny Utah Creative this year. Uh, it's always been a side project uh, that's had some customers, and um, recently I was laid off. Yeah. Um, so kind of de- definitively, uh, whenever Todd and I sold Wicked to Tecamani Holdings. I went to work for Tecamani Holdings and was a the marketing director for all of their brands, Glacier Coolers, Tecamani Seed, Wicked Tree Gear, Wicked Tough Gear. And in, in that, um, you know, designed all the Wicked products uh, mm-hmm. for the last couple of years, um, did a lot of the aesthetic design work for Glacier Coolers, mm-hmm. um, you know, the real tree uh, pattern stuff, uh, designing those colors. I didn't do anything with the foam or the insulation. Right. That, that, that's uh, that's somebody else. But um, even worked on the Tech Money Seed Wicked Greens blend that they did yep. and whatnot. But um, basically handled all the marketing. Uh, worked with uh, worked with an IT guy, and we did the the email blast, the brochures, the slicks, and yep. uh, ran all their social media and whatnot. But uh, and then recently they hired Johnny Utah Creative um, right. to same thing. My job duties didn't change. It right. just uh, changed it under. So Johnny Utah Creative was set up, which Johnny Utah Creative owns Arrowwild TV, the web show. But Johnny Utah Creative was set up as a photography business, social media management, um, marketing, consulting. And we'll do everything from design a trade show booth to design your brochures, your catalogs, uh, your apparel. I mean, literally anything advertising related. Like if you somebody calls and says, hey, we want to do, you know, four print ads. Awesome. I have people right. that buy that have huge spot buy placements in these magazines. So mm. there's a 99% chance that I could actually buy your ad placement cheaper than you can. Right. You know what I mean? So um, it's always been in the back of my head. I wanted to step away. And that's what I wanted to do full time especially as the photography side started to grow and grow and grow. Right. Now we're starting to get a lot of retainer clients 
in the hunting industry and outside the hunting industry. Um, start working with a lot of partners, refuse to say that I'm an influencer, but work with a lot of companies and help them get their message out through, through photography and, and, and digital marketing. So, um, the, in the back of my head, my plan was always January, 2020. Just got expedited. A it's little now bit. March, 2019. <laughs> right, um, right. so, you know, that was a big hit for me. That was a huge contract, a huge client to lose that and lose it on a lot of fronts. I yeah. lost it on Arrow Wild TV. I lost yeah. it for Johnny Utah Creative. Um, no severance package. Right. right. Um, so not too much on the symphony, uh, looking for, you know, uh, it, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to play that card, right? so to speak. But if there's anybody listening and anybody's looking for any marketing services or photography yep. services, you know, give me a chance to quote the work, you know? Yep. And yep. if anybody follows my Instagram, hopefully they like my photos and, um, they, they know that, uh, I do, you know, do solid work and yep. I've got a lot of years working in the industry, everything from the manufacturing side, all the way to the photo, the photo. Know, or, yep. um, so, and everything in between soup to nuts, man, you know, the, the, the good thing is, <laughs> yeah. is that, uh, you know, that'll loosen up your, uh, you know, going into work for yourself. It's, it's one of those love hate relationships, right? It's like, it takes a lot of time but you gain some flexibility, right? Yeah, so it's like you have yeah. the ability to go do some of these hunts, but like... I may some, not be able to afford them, right. but I got the time. <laughs> right, you got, the, you got the time. But, you know, man, I've known you for a little while now, and uh, it, and you do killer work, and like we've talked, man, it's like I have no doubt that you're going to... Like Johnny Utah Creative, is, it's going to be a blessing that all this happened. That way Johnny Utah Creative has an opportunity to kind of so. grow and do, I think it, so. do what it needs to do. Yeah, and maybe that's part of that being more aggressive this year. Instead of waiting to 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 blow up Johnny Utah Creative, maybe it's I just yeah. need to rock and roll. Now. Right. Well, I mean, it's one of those things where it's uh you know have to or you know you turned me on to a new podcast recently called MFCEO. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that Andy that Frisella, dude's, yeah awesome. That dude's thing is that desperation is the drive of like success sure. and ingenuity. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. like. You don't really figure out what you need to do until you need to figure out what you need to do. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, until you're forced forced with it. And um, Some people manufacture it, right? And that's one of the things he talks about is like some people manufacture desperation, sure. right? And that's how they drive themselves. Other people just live in a space of desperation, and that's how they create something. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? Well, I'm, I'm in a place of desperation. Living in a space. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it, you know, it, it's one of those deals. When we moved out here, we had X number of dollars that we were working with. Yep. And, you know, it's looking like we're, you know, we, you're here in my house. It's a yep. pretty large house. Yep. Um, we're probably going to have to sell the house and kind of downsize a little bit right. and kind of, uh, get things back in order, yep. um, to, uh, to, 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 meet, to meet our, our, our new, you know, financial spot, uh, right. that we're in. And then hopefully things, things grow and, and then I'll be able to buy another farm and, you yep. know, things like that. But, uh, you know, for a little while, which, which just sucks, man. You know, when yeah. you have kids and like, Hey guys, you know, we're going to sell the house. We're going to downsize move, a little bit yeah. and we're going to move yeah. again, but you know, they're going to stay in the same school district and that kind of stuff. But, right. uh, yeah, it's kind of a bad deal. It's, um, you know, in, in, in 10 years ago, I probably would have never told anybody, you know, this story, right. Yeah. Like to however many 17, 25,000, 30,000 right. downloads, you know, like, um, it's one of those things where um, being more transparent, there's not enough transparency. Yeah. Like what, what you get on this podcast is 
anybody that's ever talked to me in person, you get the same cat, man. Yep. Like I'm the same dude. Yep. You've seen me talk to people at trade shows. Yep. I am literally the same person to yep. everybody. Hundred you know? percent. Um. Yep. So I want to keep it real. I'm not. Um. I'm not one of those people that's faking anything. Like I legitimately got laid off. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> that's it, the real. That's the reality. That's of this. the reality of it too, man. And I mean, the other thing is too. It's like you know, it's um, just in full transparency. It's like that happened to you, uh-huh. and then the same week that happened to you, or like the the following week, the client that I work on at my work, yeah, literally just pulled fourteen million dollars of their business away, sure. lost the client to where now, I don't know where I'm. I'm going to land you yeah, know what I mean? yeah. or, or what's yeah. going to happen. It's like, I've got some irons in the fire and some things kind of yeah. working or whatever that I'm yeah. making my, my fallback plan, you know, so to speak. But that's the reality of the situation, man. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, it's, it, I think sometimes people have their podcast or their Instagram feeds and stuff like that. And it's, yeah, they only ever talk about the, the cookie cutter, like good stuff. And they kind of sure. put out their, um, their ideal self image. Right. Yeah. That's what a lot of Facebook and what a lot of Instagram is, is like, this is the, I want to show people the person I wish I was. Yeah. And this is really just what it is. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Man, I tell you, here's the thing. I, you know, I left my, uh, very secure profession as a, as a cop back home in Northern Kentucky. And, um, this is what I wanted to do every day, full time. I wanted to be in and around whitetail deer every single day. Yeah. I wanted it to make a part, make up my career, my thought process and everything. It's how obsessed I am with, with hunting, hunting these, these rascals. But, um, you know what? I rolled the dice on something and put my, put my trust in some people, um, that this was all going to work out and it didn't. And I'll put my trust and faith in, in, you know, something else again. I mean, yep. you know, and here I am going, Hey, if you guys need any marketing work, call, call the guy that just got laid off. I will say that sales are up 450% right, um, right. with the company that I'm walking away from. Right. So um, my marketing does work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I didn't get, I didn't get laid off for what I did. And, right. and, and uh, there were some folks who made some poor decisions along the way with some things. And unfortunately, some, yeah, some things didn't pan out that were supposed to have panned out that were, you know, outside of my control and, and whatnot. So, um, you know what? It's business. It happens. And, uh, unfortunately I and several others within yeah. the company, um, you know, ultimately are going to pay the price. So, right. yeah, I mean, it's in, uh, it's a shame, man, because I'm a risk taker entrepreneur at heart. So a lot of times, you know, you roll the dice on a lot of things yep. and I, I was rolling the dice, rolling the dice and man, it freaking came up snake eyes, you know, this time. So right. it is yep. what it is. Yeah, I mean, I think, but just like in whitetail hunting, man, it's like, you know, I know this is, you know, kind of your approach or your mindset, you know what I mean? It's like, we talked about the other day when we were chatting with with Cody, it's like, you gotta, you go big or you go home, you know what I mean? It's like, you just gotta risk it for the biscuit, you know what I mean? It's like, if you don't talk about, man, man, I want to go kill big whitetails, really? Because I, I changed careers, uprooted my, you know, wife, kids, whole family, left everything and everybody I know. And and I moved to an area with the crappiest Wi-Fi in Man. the United States. Yes, you could not and, possibly get worse Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. And, and I did it all for for chasing whitetails. So, um, you know, people say, "Man, I, I'm dedicated." You know, okay, show me, right? Yeah. Show me how dedicated you are, and um, and, and I take that risk again tomorrow, man. Yep. Yep. One hundred percent. Well, the other thing is too, man, is that 
not everyone has the same, you know, moxie, you know, that, yeah. that you, that you do to be able to make a, a risk like that. It's like, for me, it was, you know, leaving music when that's all I ever knew. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was, yeah. I was 20 yeah. something, eight, almost 30 years old. I yeah. was like, you know what? I'm going to go back to school and finish my degree as like yeah. a non-traditional student when everyone else is like damn near 10 years younger than me. Exactly. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah, I didn't know how that was going to work sure. out. I didn't know if I was going to like it. You know what I mean? And I'm still searching. We, you know, we talk all the time. Yeah. And everyone that listens to this knows I have the coffee thing that I started or whatever. Yeah. And that was just yeah. born out of, you know, I like to make things. I want to do something different. Mm-hmm. I want to do something for conservation. And yes, it's extra work. You know what I mean? It's like, yes, I'm yep. up till like whatever time at night or in the morning every yep. day working on stuff between podcasting and and coffee business and thinking about whitetails and then getting ready for my regular job or whatever, you know, folks at work will always be always ask me, how do you have enough time? I wish I had enough time to do this stuff. Right. And I'm like, I don't have any more time than you. No, you know what I mean? Like we both get 24 hours. I wasn't born with uh, 27 hours. Right. Exactly. It's like, I just prioritize what it is I want to do. Yeah. And then I make time for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I sacrifice things in other areas to do the things that I want to do as well as spending time with my family and my my daughter and my wife and stuff like that's, you know, I just, I don't go to bed at 10 o'clock. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I don't, I rarely sit on the couch and watch TV. You know what I mean? It's like, those just aren't things that happen in my house. It's like on the computer doing work from the time my daughter goes to the bed, basically until the time I pass out. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the grind, you know? And if you listen to anyone's story anywhere, who's been successful to a degree and look, I'm not, Sitting, sitting here preaching. They busted their a, ass yeah. or they won the lottery. Yeah, <laughs> which we tried today. I tried. I bought two scratchies today. Yeah, I, and I broke even. I'm like, what a slap in the face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we're not, we're not preachy. But it's just like, if yeah. there's folks out there listening that are that are, you know, whether it's struggling or with whatever, or they yeah. want to do more, it's like, man, just go do it. Yeah, like you, you will not regret trying no, ever no. in your life. Now, look back on your day and say, did I do everything I could have today to further myself towards this goal that I want? And if you didn't, okay, then try again tomorrow. Yeah. There's you know? no, there's no like pass fail grade every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like every day you get an opportunity to kind of do better than you did the day before. Yep. Right. Yep. And that's why there's no reason or no use in feeling sorry for yourself mm-hmm. or, you know, I, you know, folks will ask me, you know, how I'm like something shitty will happen like one day and it's like the next day I've already moved buy it and i'm like yeah, because yeah you have to yeah i'm like there's nothing that's go- good that's going to come out of me thinking about something yeah. like for example we lost that big piece of business at work sure. and there is certainly going to be people who don't have a job in the next few weeks or whatever yep. like that's that's a given right? right i may be one of them i don't i don't know um but everyone you know a lot of folks would ask me like, you seem very calm and like not disturbed by it yeah and i was like there's nothing that I could do about it. So me spending any of my energy worrying about something I can't yeah. change that happened in the past does actually detra- detracts from me making a plan Correct. to set myself up to succeed this moment forward. When, right. when a lot of this stuff was starting to happen, um, you know, with this, uh, with Tecumani Holdings, um, very good friend of mine, uh, Mr. Wade James mm-hmm. from Ad Live Collective, he said, he texted me and he said, man, he goes, you cannot worry about the things that you can't control. Yep. 100%. Focus on you and what you're doing to be a better you and it'll all, it'll all work out, you yep. know? So, uh, and that, and that's tough for me because, mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's, it's not so much, 
Well, I mean, yeah, I, I like to think that I'm a self-driven person, but um, like I said, I talked earlier in the podcast about holding a grudge. Like sometimes it is hard for me to move yeah. past things. Um, you know, in the cop world, the cat and mouse, you know right. what I mean? Like it wasn't anything personal, but by God, like I was winning. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. it was like, I was a dog and there was a piece of meat attached to every criminal, you know, yeah. and I was after him. tunnel yeah. vision locked in, you know? So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's all going to work out. These next couple of months may be super scary. You know, mm-hmm. my oldest is, is starting college this year in right. the fall and I'm like, Oh boy. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but, I might play the lottery a little bit here and there. You right. know, I don't know. Might be part of the strategy. It might be part of the strategy, yep. you know, but, um, you know, there has been some things that have fallen into place mm-hmm. pretty quickly. You know, ATA made some connections that I was able to follow up with and, yep. and you know, bring on some more photo clients and more more uh, retainer work. Um, picked up a new marketing consultant uh, consulting job the other day that's, uh, you know, just a few hours a week. But, yep. you know, all, all of those little things help, right? you know, yeah. they help get me to where, where I need to be. And, um, you know, as long as all the pieces of the puzzle start to come together, you know, here in a couple months, everything might be all right. Yep. And then here, of course, you know, on, on the show, it's a much smaller magnitude, but as you folks out there listening might, you know, guess, or you've probably heard in the past several episodes where the, um, sponsorship list may have changed sure. a, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah. so, you know, that's just another example of like, you know, there's one consistent in this world and that is change and you better be prepared for it. Right. Yep. Um, so in that, in that regard, you'll probably see some things changing a little bit on the podcast in that regard. For sure. Hopefully we have some, some good folks that, you know, will keep those under wraps for right now that might come and, yeah. and, and be part of the show, which I'm, which uh, we're both excited about because you, you may be working with some of them in one capacity. Yes. I may be working with some of them in another capacity, which is kind of cool. Yes. Um, you know, try to keep it within the family always and, yep. and take care of each other. So I think with that, man, is there anything else we want to, that we want to cover? Well, I didn't mention my loose plans. I think we already talked about them. Oh, I'm coming yeah. to freaking Iowa. Well, oh, you're coming to Iowa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. my plan yeah. is, is to come to Iowa next year. I don't think I have another hunt other than Pennsylvania set up. Yep. Um, I know we've been trying to, get Chad to try to kill a deer early in Ohio so he can come out and film, you know, cause you know, that guy passes a lot. No, I'm just kidding. He doesn't pass a lot of deer, he, but he does have, he will talk about the fact that his expectations are kind of like a little, a little wonky considering like the first deer he ever killed was like 183 inches. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And then he killed another yeah. one. I think it was another booner or it was, or it was close. It was like 166 or 167. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so like every deer he kind of compares to that. And so yeah. I'm like, dude, just, like have normal standards, kill a buck yeah. like the first two weeks of the season and come to Iowa and film, yeah. you know, yeah. But well, I, I did get a call yesterday. Um, so a good friend of mine, Sam Gaylord, uh, from a local uh, old barn taxidermy yep. business here. I am going to be heading up to Canada and that's uh, right, and hunting yeah. bears. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to be a spring bear hunt or a fall bear hunt. I don't know yet. Him and I, we have to touch. Can they base. bait both of those? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, hmm. I love the color phase bears. That's yeah, pretty cool. Those are cool. Uh, but Canadian bear hunt, I don't care. What what time of year it is? Yeah, uh, man, whatever. It'll be awesome. I haven't killed one, so I uh, I want to go do that. Um, there was a potential plan to uh, go back to Montana and chase antelope again, mm-hmm. um, or um, Colorado elk. And Colorado elk was man. my big hunt. Yeah. And unfortunately, I don't think that financially is going to right. be able to happen this year. Um, which sucks. Who were you going out there with? Uh, buddy of mine, Greg McAlpin. Okay. So basically what I am to Sitka Whitetail uh-huh. is what he is to Sitka Waterfowl. 
Okay. Oh yeah. You and we're gonna go chase that. big game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. The, yeah. The, the waterfowl hunter is gonna take the deer hunter elk. Hunter. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, nice. so he's a dude. He's a rad dude and uh, accomplished elk elk hunter. And he's he's got some good spots and he was willing to share with me. And nice. Basically, I was just gonna piggyback on their camp that is going out there right. anyways and and whatnot. So um, nice. That would be awesome because everybody talks about the first time you go elk hunting. It's almost best just to go and just know that it's a it's a it's a your first trip is a learning year. Yeah, for sure. And then the second year is when you're, you know. Yeah, I need to get my second year in because that first year I went was, of course, that public land DIY yep. kind of. Yep. It was back country until the weather blew us out of the mountain that we were in. Otherwise, sure. we were going to get stuck there. Yeah, you sent me uh, that picture. Like, I saw one picture, and then the very next picture you sent was like 8, 9, 10 inches, 11 inches of snow. And I'm like, what the heck It, it went happened? from 89 degrees to, like, drop to, like, the high twenties and dumped like a foot of snow on us. And like the matter yeah. of like 24 hours, I wouldn't hours, have been was prepared crazy. for that. It was nuts, dude. But the, where we were staying was on the, on this mountain we were staying on. It's like the, it's in Southwest Montana. So it's in that like high desert. So like all yeah. the dirt there is just like this dust. And as soon as it gets like any moisture on it, it just turns to snot. And so it was on, you know, I always get this uh, acronym wrong. BML land block management land, BML, I think B- it is. BLM. BLM. Yep. And so it was on BLM Bureau land. land management. Bureau land management. Yeah. Okay. So it was on BLM land, and so there were all these cattle paths you could drive yep. or use, and you could drive up through like these this mountain yep. range or whatever. The two, the two tracks. Yeah, on the two track, right? Yeah. So we had two trucks that we were actually able to take up in there with like all of our camping gear and uh-huh. stuff like that, and when we threw tents down there, and and then would hike from that point to to hunt everywhere. Now, right? did they close those when the snow hit? Well, that was a thing. Like we. So we didn't have any cell service or anything up there, but I had a, uh, what the hell did I pick up? It was one of those Garmin in reach. You can hit the yeah, SOS, button. Yeah, I, had, yeah. I basically had like a button. You had an oh shit button. Yeah, yeah. My wife was like, you can go on this trip, two things. You carry bear spray yeah, and you carry like an SOS. So I said, yes, bear spray went along until like I, like the second day I was like, I'm tired of carrying this thing. I ditched yeah. that. But the, uh, so I had one of those, but I could get the weather on it every day. Yeah. So I would check the weather every day just to see what was going to, if it was going to rain, basically just so I could figure out what gear I was going to uh-huh. take with me. Right, right. And then I started looking at the weather and I was like, hey, fellas, like we're looking like we're going to get a little bit of snow, which I was kind of excited about because I was like, cool, you know, like the elk will really pop, like as we're looking like across a valley from a glassing point right. or whatever. And I didn't really think about it. I was like, oh, like if we get like an inch or two, this would be cool, you know? And we look at it and it's like, no, it's dropping like, whatever it is 50 60 yeah. degrees and so it's gonna dump just wearing snow too yeah it's like and it's gonna and it's gonna dump like a foot of snow and my buddy luke was like the year or two years prior they got stuck up a rainstorm came through and they almost didn't get out and he was like man he's like if we don't get out now he's like we're gonna be staying up here until this shit dries out he's like in this time of year i don't know when that's gonna happen you know we would eventually hike out but it was yeah like miles upon miles i mean it was an hour and a half drive in the truck to get up into that part of the mountain or whatever. So, Screw that. Yeah. So getting out, it was going to be probably a couple yeah. of days to hike to get out if, sure, we, if we had sure. to or whatever. So he was he had a cabin at his place and he was like, let's just go to my place and stay at my cabin or whatever, which was, you know, a little further away from the hunting spots than we wanted yeah. to be. But it was better than the alternative of getting stuck. But it's a long way to say that was an awesome hunting trip, but it was my first time in the right because it's like it's such a different experience yeah yeah yeah, that i'm looking forward to going out i might actually do not this year but maybe next and it's like i've never done a guided hunt but my dad wants to do an elk hunt with me really really bad yeah 
And it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like if he and I don't ever get to do an elk hunt together, I'll, I'll regret it. Yeah. And so, and he likes to go with this outfitter in Colorado. Uh-huh. And so I think I'm going to eventually bite the bullet and go do a guided hunt with him yeah. just because, you know, I started thinking about it. I was like, man, are you seriously going to let your pride of like wanting to do all DIY hunts, not do this special hunt with your, with your right. Man. Because it's like, I like hunting DIY because there's going to come a point in time where the only way I'm going to be able to maybe stay in the timber and enjoy it the way I like to enjoy it is maybe to go with an outfitter and make the hunts a little easier once the body doesn't want to cooperate any yeah. longer and stuff yeah. like that. Right. And so I want to push that off as long as I can. But at the same time, I was like, you seriously going to let your pride be the reason why you don't go do this hunt with your dad. I was like, this is that, I was like, you're being an idiot. Well, and we've talked about some of the guided stuff and the outfitted stuff before. And, and just kind of to reiterate, you know, my position on a lot of the guided stuff, and again, it is totally subject to whoever's doing the hunt. If somebody's in a wheelchair or they're elderly or they don't have their mobility or they just, that's their prerogative, I don't care. You yep. know, for me personally, um, I I like the struggle. I like yeah. to earn it. You Type know, that kind fun. of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I would never be the guy that, you know, has a guide hand holding and then you know, sets up my, my bipod, mm-hmm. lays a rifle out right, there and right. he's like, I've already adjusted the scope and everything. All you got to do is turn pull off the, the safety and pull the trigger. No, I don't want to do that kind of outfitted guided deal. But a lot of the big game stuff, man, like those guides know where the elk are and they're not going to shoot the deer or the elk for you. They're yeah. just saying, Hey, I'm going to help, help you locate. locate the herd. Yeah. And that's basically what he said. Yeah. He's like, this guy has a ranch. Like he's, he's a guide and I'm using air quotes for everyone who's listening. It's yeah. because he, he essentially I can vouch for him. He yeah. did use air quotes. I air did. Quotes. Yeah. Um, the old man was like, he will tell you where elk are and he will help you get to the part of the mountain where the elk yeah. are. Yeah, right? There's nothing wrong with that. And then from there, you're kind of on your own. And then yeah. he'll be like, all right, here's a point where I'm going to come back and we'll be here with like horses. Or if it's a place where they can get a side by side up, like the side of a mountain, like they'll stop yeah. at this point and like, pick you up at the end of the night or whatever and give you like an extraction point or whatever sure. to where he's saying nothing hey, wrong with that because he's got a bunch of guys or other guides that are out helping people who maybe want a full guide or whatever sure. and they're saying they're coming back saying hey the herds moved there's a herd over here there's a herd over here there's a herd over here and you kind of now have an opportunity or a way to get to see some elk or whatever yep. so that's why the old man likes to do that because he's able still to kind of go out on his own he doesn't have a guy yeah. standing there with him yeah. It's just someone points him in the right direction and he goes and finds it. Yeah, you know? there's so, nothing wrong with that. And I was like, all right. I was like, I feel a little bit better about that. Sure. I was like, I can I can do I can do that. So I think that's probably not going to be a this year thing, but probably a probably a twenty twenty type yeah. of type of hunt. Yeah. But and depending on how this financial setback hits me, maybe uh twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, something like that. Maybe that's when I'll have my next you know, opportunity right. uh with elk. Or I'll just wait and I'll go with you. Yeah. We'll do one together. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. I'm um, dude, it's it's on my it's on my list. I mean, elk and moose are both way, way up there. Moose like dream dream hunts. I've never wanted to do moose um until and I told this story I think on the upfront of the podcast that just went out a week or so ago. Um, but we had a wine tasting thing at the house and I know I told you about it. And one of the things that we made for that tasting was, was moose. My buddy Wilson, he and his father-in-law killed a moose in Alaska. I never really had a, a, a desire to hunt moose until I ate moose. Yeah. Once I ate moose, I was like, yeah. that's it. I was like, yeah. I got to go hunt a moose now. Yeah. So that's definitely one of the things on my bucket list now, um, is to, is to do a moose hunt. Yeah. Because yeah. they are delicious. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
No doubt. All right. Well, I think that's a. Uh, if there's nothing else to add, man, I think that is a uh, that is a wrap for the show. Cool. Thanks for uh, thanks for putting up with me for four days in your house, man. Let me kick my feet up on your on your furniture. No and, problem. And hang out and dr- chauffeur me around to all yeah. your all, all your spots in Iowa. Hey, so I no ha- problem. Have a game plan for uh, for the fall. So, all right, folks, we're gonna shut this thing down. Thanks for listening. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. Thanks all of you for listening. And if you haven't, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. We'd be super appreciative if you'd be able to do that for us. Also, if you're new to the podcast, be sure to hit our archives. We have a ton of great podcasts, guests uh, that you can choose from. It'll also help you know, with the off-season blues that we have going on. You can, uh, of course, get all that information at you know, iTunes, Google Play, uh, YouTube, you know, all the podcasts are on YouTube, or you can go to truthfromthestand.com and you can play them off the uh, off the website as well. Before we shut this thing down, we need to give a big shout out to our partners that continue to help us make this podcast possible. Exodus Outdoor Gear, Trophy Ridge, Ozonics, Obsession Bows, Ramcat Broadheads, Trophy Taker Rests, and Dead Down Wind. And until next time, we'll see y'all. I could show you through the door. Long time coming if it all It takes a special knowing to call up for Damaged heads, broken letters Nationalize yourself in numbers But I gotta get away from here All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace microdosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.